0: To the
1: simple, to the simple truth. You're listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Dion Cordova of Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel.
2: It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of His grace and kindness towards us. So God can point to us, look, that's the kind of work I do.
1: Probably one of the hardest things for people to understand when it comes to the gospel is that we don't have to earn salvation. Have you ever had a hard time receiving a gift? Well, a lot of people in Jesus' time were trying to earn their salvation, and the thought of having it for free was way beyond them. In today's message, Pastor Dion will share how when we are recipients of God's grace, it's something that he's proud of and can show off. It's the fact that we can't do anything ourselves that makes God so much greater. Now let's join Pastor Dion in the book of Acts, chapter 16, as he begins his message, God Rocks.
2: Well, guys, in the Old Testament, everybody say that out loud, the what? The Old Testament, in the Old Testament, God targeted an audience. So the Old Testament, God targeted an audience. This was the audience. They were the who? The Jews, right? So in the Old Testament, God targeted a specific audience. They were the Jewish people. The Old Testament is the record of how God chose them, how God called them, how God covenanted with them, how He sent them prophets. It's a really nice, beautiful story. But there was a whole other audience that was left out. And that was the audience of, everybody say their names, the Gentiles. They were all the non-Jews, because God just had two categories. The people he covenant with, the Jews, and all the non-Jews, the Gentiles. So in the Old Testament, God, you know, obviously targeted the Jews. But there was a whole other audience that still needed to hear from God. The non-Jews, the Gentiles. So God targeted the Gentiles in the New Testament. Say that out loud. In the what? In the New Testament. And in the New Testament, we find out how God chose the Gentiles, called them, covenanted with them, sent them more than just a prophet. He sent them his only son. Isn't that exciting, guys? I mean, it's awesome because we're Gentiles. We got more than a prophet. We got sent God's only son. God came in human flesh and came to invite us into a relationship with Him. It's more than a nice story for us New Testament believers. It is this, everybody say it out loud, amazing grace. Look at your neighbor and tell them, it's amazing grace is what it is. It really is. Now, after Jesus' resurrection, after He came to invite us into a relationship with God and with Him, it was a message to the audience of the Gentiles. Well, after Jesus' resurrection, Jesus told his disciples to share this amazing grace story with everyone everywhere. And later, James, uh, later Jesus appeared to Paul and and told Paul uh, about this amazing grace message and told him to share it. So Jesus came to express, to share that amazing grace message, told him to, told the disciples that were with him to go share it, later on told Paul the same thing, go share this amazing grace message. Now within a few years, Paul, everybody say his name, Paul, the apostle Paul, carried this amazing grace message across the borders of Israel into Syria and Turkey. And we have kind of been following that journey as he's been carrying the message of amazing grace beyond Israel. In fact, as Paul uh, carried the message, one of the uh, you know one of the places that he went, he actually shared the message with Gentile people. Five churches, one, two, three, four, five churches were established as he was carrying the message. Gentiles by the hundreds were believing in Jesus Christ in the message of forgiveness, in the message of salvation. The first place that Paul went was a place called Antioch. And in Antioch, he shared the message. Hundreds of Gentiles came to the Lord. A church was started. And I think we all remember Luke. You remember the man who wrote the Gospel of Luke? Well, Luke was originally from Antioch. In fact, that's where he finished up. He had gone to Jerusalem, uh, Luke, as an investigative reporter. He wasn't even a believer in Jesus at the time. He investigated all of the stories about Christ. He documented everything, all the eyewitness accounts, and then he came back to Antioch and wrote his gospel. And from Antioch, it was circulated throughout all of Israel and all of the known places that the gospel went. Isn't that exciting? So, so, I mean, it was, it was a great thing. So Paul went there. Luke was eventually saved there. He wrote his gospel documentation there. Saul continued on. He went to Antioch over in Galatia, in Iconium, in Lystra, in Derbe, and some amazing churches were started there. And then he continued on. There was a point where he decided, uh, you know, we, we've reached a lot of places, a lot of people have come to the Lord, but there is so much more of the world that needs to be reached. So Paul and his team decided to go on a little further. They wanted to go over here in this Asia Minor area where there were a lot of large cities, a lot of coastal cities with a lot of population, great population. They wanted to go there, but the Holy Spirit, it says, did not allow them. We talked about that. The Holy Spirit just kind of closed the door. Everybody said he did what? closed the door for them to go there. So then Paul thought maybe he could go up to Bithynia, another place where there were lots and lots of cities and lots and lots of people to hear the Gospel. But it says that the Holy Spirit closed the door in that area also. I told you that, you know, uh, sometimes the Holy Spirit does that. We have plans, we have an agenda, we want to do something. I can remember that I wanted to go to Bible college, but God closed the door so that I would come here and pastor here in Española for all of you guys. And so so he closes doors so that he can open others. So when Paul knows, saw that the Holy Spirit had closed the door this to to the east, closed the door to the west, he continued on north, but there was nothing north. There were no cities. It's like the Holy Spirit didn't stop him from doing that. It's like, you know, why? But, so they continued on all the way to a dead end all the way in Troas. Everybody said in where? Troas. So basically, Paul has been carrying this message of amazing grace. They've carried it all the way to this place, Troas. It's a dead end. Troy was, Troas was a port that was originally built to serve the city of Troy. Everybody say that city. We've heard it before because you've watched the movie probably, right? All right, so Troas was a port that was originally built to service the city of Troy. Yeah, guys, when Prince Paris stole Helena away from the king of Sparta, they sailed into Troas. And in the movie Troy, when the Spartan army sails in with Achilles, they sailed into Troas. You guys got it? So we we kind of understand. But by the time Paul, Silas, and Timothy were passing through that area, Troy had long been a ghost town. For over 500 years, it had been a ghost town. And the port of Troas was only sporadically used. There were no scheduled ships or trips going in, coming in or going out of Troas. It was just random. And I'm sure Paul and the team were a little confused and frustrated as to why the Holy Spirit would lead them down a desolate road to a, 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 a to the one port that has the least traffic or people. I mean, all these cities were to the east, and all these people were to the west. And the Holy Spirit closes a door and wants us to come here—a ghost town, a ghost, basically a ghost port that's not used very often, and no no trade ships are coming through. Why? But then, as they're frustrated, Paul had a dream. A man from Macedonia, that is the uh, country that is next, just across the Aegean Sea, the continent across the Aegean Sea, Paul has a dream that a guy from Macedonia is calling out, come to Macedonia and help us. Isn't that cool? So here he thinks it's a dead end. What do we do now? And all of a sudden, he has a dream of this man that says, come to Macedonia and help us. See, Paul and the team had no intentions of heading to Europe. That was never the agenda, the plan. I mean, had it been Paul, he wanted to go over to Asia Minor or Bithynia. The the plan was never to cross another sea, the Aegean Sea, and go to another continent. That wasn't the plan. But guys, listen. If you ask God, God to guide your steps, you had better be willing to move your feet. I'm going to say it again. If you ask God to guide your steps, you had better be willing to move your feet. So look at your neighbor and say, échale, do it. Step it up, bro. Move it, move it, yeah. Well, listen. It's interesting how God orchestrated all of that. God led them to the port of Troas gave them a vision right there, had a boat ready to take them exactly where he was leading them. The next day. Can you imagine that? I mean, what are the chances of a port that doesn't have scheduled trips that the boat is going to be there and is going to be going exactly to the place that God told them, that the, that the man said to come? God orchestrates all of that. God even added another important member to their team right there in Troas. He added another guy to Paul and Silas and Timothy. He added the guy, Dr. Luke. Remember Luke? He was a physician and the investigative reporter that wrote the Gospel of Luke. Somehow or another, he shows up in Troas. How do we know? Because Luke is the writer of, he is the author of the book of Acts. And from here on, it changes from just talking about they and them, and starts talking about we and us. So Luke actually joins them in Troas. In fact, let's read what took place. Now after he had seen the vision, that was Paul, immediately, every, there's a word, everybody say it, we included, that's Paul, Silas, Timothy, and now Luke, We sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace. That was an island between in the Aegean Sea between where they were and where they were going. And the next day came to Neapolis. That's just a big port outside of the big city of Philippi. And from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia a colony, and we were staying in that city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside, where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. And I'll stop right there. So, God kind of arranges everything for them, and He even arranged for Luke to make the trip because... Everybody say, because... Why do you think God arranged for Luke to be on the trip? Because God wanted a record of His amazing grace. Paul wasn't documenting each incident, each stop. I mean, the only reason we have the documentation from before is because Luke pushed him and said, hey, and then what did you do next? And what did you do before that? What did you do after that? And who did you meet there? And what did you see? And and so that's why we have that documentation. But now Luke is on the scene. God wants to make sure that His amazing grace, the record of His amazing grace is written. You see, every transformed Gentile, every transformed Gentile is a trophy that points to God's amazing grace. Yeah, look at your neighbor and say, yeah, you. Just look at him. Every transformed, and that's why God wants to document his amazing grace, because every transformed Gentile is a trophy that points to God's amazing grace. In fact, here's the verse. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 5. Let's read it together. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For He raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of His grace and kindness towards us. So God can point to us. Look, that's the kind of work I do. Look, that's the kind of changes I do. Look, that's the kind of transformations I make. Look, those are the kind of miracles that I do. Isn't that awesome? You're trophies of God's grace. Listen, Graceland is a special place for Elvis fans. The one-time homestead of the king is now a museum. It's the second most visited house in America. It is just biting at the heels of the White House right now. Now, from the moment you drive past the music gates when you get to Graceland, it's impressive. A 1955 pink Cadillac Fleetwood parked in the front of a 17,000 square foot mansion. The eloquence and the decor of each room is stunning. White carpets and furniture with gold and navy and purple accents, black marble tile, a black baby grand piano. And of course, Elvis is what he called the jungle room. It has green carpet with a waterfall. Groovy, baby, right? (laughs) And then there is the 80-foot-long trophy room. The walls are lined with 90 gold and 52 platinum records. Showcases display guitars and costumes and Grammy Awards. The room tells the story of a talented artist and an amazing career. A lifetime of achievement. Well, the book of Acts is God's display case. The book displays all of God's greatest hits. Like Lydia, the story we just read. Lydia was a wealthy Gentile businesswoman who was in Philippi. We talked about her last week. She wasn't a criminal or an, oh, she wasn't criminal or evil, but she was lost nonetheless. She was separated from God and headed for judgment. Because you have to understand, we are sinners by nature. It doesn't matter. See, we sin because we're sinners. Everyone has an incredible disease. We're born with an incredible disease. It's called a sin nature because of Adam and Eve. So it doesn't matter if you have ever participated in the most grotesque or depraved sins. It doesn't matter. You are still, we are still doomed because we are born with a nature of sin. Wow. A, a, an incurable disease. And, and obviously, some people are sicker than others, but everyone is infected. Look at your neighbor and say, that's that, that's everyone. Just look at them and say, that's everyone. So Lydia, even though she wasn't depraved and deranged and and, and immoral, she was still lost. Paul found Lydia meeting with a few Jewish women at a river seeking God, seeking salvation. And so Paul shared the gospel with them. And Lydia believed in Jesus. She was gloriously saved. Because as the promise states in Acts 2.21, read it with me, and it shall come to pass that whoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Isn't that awesome, guys? Jews, Gentiles, bond or free, male or female, doesn't matter. Paul shared the gospel with these women and Lydia accepted the message of Jesus Christ. She believed in Jesus and was gloriously saved. In fact, let's look at Lydia's before and after photo. We met her at the river already, but here's what it says. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Tyra, who worshipped God. In the sense of she was looking, she was seeking for Him. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul, which was the message of Jesus Christ and His salvation. And when she and her household were baptized, she believed in it, she was saved, and then her her and her household were baptized, she begged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house, and everybody say the word, stay. So she persuaded us. So there's the before and after picture of Lydia. Lydia's story and photo is here in the book of Acts as a testimony as a trophy of God's amazing grace, of how God will find whoever's seeking Him, whoever even has a heart, because He's the one that's drawing them, and whoever kind of turns in that direction, He will literally bring the Gospel message to them, and gloriously save them, and transform their life. And where they had spent most of their life selfishly in self-serving, all of a sudden she wants to share that with others. She wants to share it. There's a dramatic change. The passage tells us that Lydia even became more than a trophy. I mean, because there's the before and after picture of, of this transformation of her personally. But the passage tells us that Lydia became more than just a trophy of God's grace. More than just a hit song. Lydia is also displayed here in the book of Acts as an instrument that God used for His glory because she opened her home. She supported Paul's ministry. Isn't that cool, guys? She, she became not just a trophy of God's grace, but uh, everybody, an instrument. Say it out loud. An instrument of God's grace. You know, Elvis's guitar may have contributed to a, a few hit songs, but the songs are fading uh, I, I don't think that no, many people know them, and, and nobody wears blue suede shoes anymore anyway. So so here we go. But here in the book of Acts, God's pointing to Lydia and saying, this it was an instrument that I used to help bring Europe, the continent of Europe, to salvation. Amen. Wow, imagine that. Elvis might, if he's still alive, he might be able to go into his, in, into his record room or into his, his trophy room and point out a particular song or gold record on the wall and tell you a little bit about his history. But here in the book of Acts, God is pointing to Lydia and saying, this gal right here, she, her and I, we were able to bring the message, the gospel message of Jesus Christ to Europe. Because she opened her home. She's more than just a trophy of God's amazing grace. She became an instrument of God's amazing grace. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. Lydia is a lot like that stingy, mean lady who had recently uh, been saved here at Calvary Chapel. And you're right, how do I know she was stingy and mean? Her, her husband had told me she was. And so anyway, she was walking into Walmart she saw a family, you know, they were clean but raggedy. She saw them discussing what essentials that they could do without uh, in their basket because they were exceeding, you know, their means. And the woman had overheard them, and, and so the woman uh, conversed with them. She started, you know, ask, talking to them and, and, and talked with them for a while and then told them that she would pay for all of the essentials, for them not to take anything else out of their basket. She even put a few things back in.
1: This has been another edition of The Simple Truth. Thanks for tuning in. Jesus changed history, and when he changed history, he changed the world. Throughout the book of Acts, we get a glimpse into the early church and just how much Jesus' life impacted those around him. Jesus showed humankind not only how to live and love, but how to spread the love of the Father to the world. Here at The Simple Truth, we pray that you learn to live and love just as Jesus did. And once you do that, we pray that you share His love with the world, just as the disciples did. We're so glad that you tuned in today for Pastor Dion's teaching in the book of Acts. We'd like to encourage you to spend even more time studying the Word, learning about Jesus' life in the New Testament books. And we'd love to pray for you during this season as well. So please let us know how we can specifically be lifting you up to the Lord. Give us a call at 505-753-4363. That's 505-753-4363. Do you live in the Española area? If so, come visit us at Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel on Sundays and Wednesdays for a time of worship, Bible study, and fellowship. Find out more and get directions to the church by visiting tmcalvary.com. If you can't make it in person, we invite you to join us virtually through Facebook, where we live stream all of our services. Just follow the link to Facebook that you'll find at tmcalvary.com. Thanks for tuning in today, and be sure to join us again next time, right here on The Simple Truth.
0: You're the one that we proclaim. We'll be fools for you as you work in us. May your power show in the deeds we sow. Let us draw our hands, and together we stand.